Welcome. I'm Rabbi Nachal Matz with the Las Vegas Coel. Shortly after World War I, Congress passed the World War Compensation Act. During World War I, many young men were drafted into the army and served overseas for many months, if not years. After the war, when they came back, they asked to be compensated to get a bonus for their work and their service in the military. And the World War Compensation Act provided a bonus for those who served in the United States Army during the war. They were given a dollar per day that they served and a dollar and a quarter a day that they served overseas. That legislation was passed around 1924 and everyone was basically happy about it. And then came the Great Depression. The early 1930s were disastrous economically for the United States. And many of the people who served in the army during World War I had a great idea. You see, the World War Compensation Act was to be paid in 20 years. That dollar a day, dollar and a quarter day, that payment wasn't to mature till 1945. And the people who had served in the army, these soldiers, they petitioned Congress, they petitioned President Hoover that instead of having that payment deferred till 1945, well, we're experiencing such economic hardship, the depression, we're all broke, we don't have any money. Instead of getting that payment in 20 years, let's get that now. We need the money now. We can't wait till 1945. And they petitioned Congress and they petitioned Hoover. President Hoover was against the idea because the way the bill was structured, the way the World War Compensation Act was structured was that it wasn't to be paid for 20 years and the taxes and the revenue and all of the economic and financial elements of that bill, the country, the Congress, the United States just didn't have the money to go ahead and be able to pay those soldiers right then in 1932. The money just wasn't there and the only way to be able to raise that money and to pay those soldiers in 1932 would be to increase taxes on the rest of the population. The middle of the depression, Hoover just felt that it wouldn't be fair to tax one segment of the population to go ahead and pay a different segment of the population. People who didn't serve in the army, though they were also suffering during the depression. And to tax them to go ahead and pay the soldiers who had fought during the world war to pay them their bonus early, he just felt that that wasn't fair. So he went ahead and he was against the legislation. He was against giving the bonus prematurely. The summer of 1932, tens of thousands of soldiers rallied together and walked and marched to Washington, D.C. They were called the Bonus Army, and they wanted to go to petition Congress, to petition the president. We want our bonuses now. We can't wait till 1945. And they set up camp on the banks of the Anacostia River, not too far from the United States Capitol, and they came in tens of thousands to march, to protest, to petition the President and the Congress to give us the bonus. This bonus army, well, they set up camp, they were orderly, they were organized, they set themselves up. Most of these people were homeless, so they set themselves up in, in tents, shanties, called Hoovervilles back then during the Depression. They used whatever they, they could to go ahead and give themselves you know, some kind of living condition. And they were, for the most part, peaceful, and they would go and protest and raise awareness. They wanted their bonus early. Congress dealt with the issue in July of 1932. They also voted down giving these, the bonus army their bonuses early. 
And by the end of July 1932, President Hoover decided he wanted to clear out the Bonus Army. There was over 40,000 people at that point, men, women, and children. He wanted them cleared out of their little shanty town in Washington, D.C. He first sent the police, the Washington, D.C. police, to go ahead and try to break up the camp, but he knew that they would be overwhelmed. He was concerned that the Bonus Army was going to march into the United States Capitol in insurrection and take over the Capitol. So he had the army, the regular army, prepared to go ahead and deal with the Bonus Army. It's interesting, some of the great future leaders of the United States Army were there to go ahead and get the Bonus Army out of Washington, D.C. People like Douglas MacArthur, George Patton, Dwight Eisenhower. And in late July 1932, the regular army basically had fought a pitched battle against the Bonus Army, cleared them out, set fire to their encampment, drove men, women, and children, drove them from that shanty town, left the place in ruins, and two people were actually killed during this riot, and that was the end of the Bonus Army. This naturally created tremendous bad press, specifically against Herbert Hoover, the president. He was vilified by the Bonus Army. Here you have soldiers who were patriotic, who put their lives on the line to fight for the country during World War I, and look how you're mistreating them. You send the army to go ahead and, and burn their simple homeless shacks to burn them to, the down, dirt, burn them to the ground. That's no way to treat soldiers who fought courageously. Many scholars go ahead and believe that one of the reasons why that Hoover would lose the election of 1932, just a few months later, is because of the bad press that he got for his mishandling of the Bonus Army, how he mistreated them, how he mishandled the situation. Many people attribute part of the reason why he was, why he was defeated so significantly by FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, in the election of 1932 was because of his mishap, how he mistreated the Bonus Army earlier in the summer. If you look in the book of Exodus, in Sefer Shemos, chapter 15, the Torah tells us a, a really fascinating story. The Jews just marched out of Egypt. God splits the sea for them. And now after splitting the sea with miracles and wonders, the Jews find themselves in the desert. After going a couple days, they have nothing to drink. They go ahead and they complain to God, hey, you took us out of the desert, the Exodus, that's great, but we've got nothing to drink. We're gonna die in the desert. And the verse says, Vayilonu, the, the, the nation goes ahead and they complain against God. Manishta, we have nothing to drink. It's not fair, it's inappropriate. One of the great commentaries, the Orachayim HaKadosh, writing in the early 1700s in Morocco, he points out very interestingly a fascinating insight into this story, into this passage in the Torah. He says, if you really think about it, the Jews were right. Here they are in the desert. There's no water. They are going to die. This is a dire situation. The verse makes it clear that the Jews, their behavior and their complaining to God was inappropriate. They did something wrong. It's considered somewhat of a quarrel that they had with God. And asks Or HaChaim, what did they do wrong? They had a very legitimate complaint. We're in the desert. We're going to die. We need water. And the Orachayim explains so brilliantly. He says the substance of their, of their argument was totally valid. They needed water. There's nothing wrong in that, that situation, the situation that they found themselves, to go ahead and ask God, hey, can we get water? The problem was Vayilonu. The nation complained. It wasn't the substance of what they said but rather it was how they said it. 
Asking for water, nothing wrong with that. But the tone of voice, the complaint, the fact that they were coming to God upset in a quarrelsome type of perspective, how they said it, that what was, what was wrong in their scenario. So often in life, the substance of our disagreements, what we say, that's not the problem. It's how we said it, how we say it. A great rabbi of mine once told me, in life, we're always in any relationship, there's going to be friction. There's going to be conflict. And often that friction, that conflict can lead to real tension. And he gave me great advice. And it's, I believe, the idea that Or HaChayim is telling us. When we find ourselves in friction, when we find ourselves in conflict in relationships, remember when we have that confrontation, when we go ahead and we speak to someone that we're kind of at odds with in a relationship, always remember 90% is how you say it. Only 10% is what you're saying. The substance of our disagreements, the substance of our, of our quarrels, those are important. Don't get me wrong. The substance of our disagreements need to be addressed. And sometimes there's real conflict. Sometimes there's real friction. But animosity, when you have situations where relationships disintegrate, 90% of the time, it's not because what was said, but rather it's how it was said. And that's the story of the Jews in the desert. Complaining to God, asking God for water when you're in a desert, nothing wrong with that. But complaining, tone of voice, accusations, going ahead and attacking, how you say it, that was the problem. And that was the failure of the Jewish people in the desert. Not asking for water, but how they asked for water. And it's such a powerful lesson. What's interesting is after FDR, after Roosevelt goes ahead and wins the election of 1932, a second bonus army came and marched on Washington, asking the same thing, asking for the bonus, asking to not have their payment from World War I deferred to 1945, but rather to get paid right away. And FDR, the way he handled it, he sent his wife to go ahead and listen to them. He sent them entertainment. He set up buses to help them and the bonus army get from their encampment to go in an orderly fashion to march and picket in front of the Capitol. FDR got, went ahead and he created programs to try to get these soldiers who were out of jobs. He created programs to try to find them employment. And the bonus army, the second bonus army, they loved FDR for how he dealt with them with such courtesy, with such respect, and hearing their, their issues and sympathizing with them. They would go ahead and they would say that Hoover sent the army, FDR sent his wife. And they loved FDR for it. What's remarkable is that FDR, Roosevelt, when it came to the substance of their issue, getting the bonus paid early, he actually agreed with Hoover. He was not in favor of it. He felt it was inappropriate. It's not fair to tax the rest of society to pay the bonus army. It's such a, remar a remarkable thing. FDR, Roosevelt, and Hoover, in terms of the substance of their opinion, felt exactly the same. They were against, they disagreed with the bonus army. The difference was how they said it. What they said was identical, but how they said it that's where the difference lied. Hoover came out with the army guns blazing. FDR came with compassion. He listened to them. He sent his wife. But the substance, he disagreed, just like Hoover. We all have relationships that we want to manage. Those relationships are invariably going to have friction and conflict. 
Let's remember, if we want to have successful relationships, if we want to manage that conflict and that friction in a positive way, let's remember, in life, in relationships, it's not what we say, it's how we say it.